This show is partnered with Idle Champions, a strategy game set in the Forgotten Realms and available for free on Steam, Epic Game Store, Xbox, PlayStation, Switch, iOS, and Android. Each week, our listeners get a redeemable code for an Electrum chest, and this week's code is P-U-L-U-M-A-R-Y-C-U-T-E. What's up and welcome to Difficulty Class, a show where we gather around this podcast table in years and talk about some Dungeons and Dragons. Each week, we, or a listener like you, writing into difficultyclass at gmail.com, come up with a topic, question, encounter, or anything else somehow related to RPGs, and we have some fun talking about them. I'm one of your hosts, Trevor Bettis, and with me this week is... Allie Deitchman. That's right, and we, we've got we got some fun topics today, because we're continuing our fun episodes. Yeah. We're ignoring the sad. <laughs> as best we can. <laughs> I even suggested a sad, or like, not a sad, but like a downer topic, and we're like, nah. How about we don't? <laughs> yeah, yeah. We'll get we'll get that one eventually. Eventually. But, uh, but yeah. But actually, no, uh, so you pitched an awesome idea of, of a thing where we are going to uh, do a, a, kind of, a kind of a deep dive on a monster at a time. Yeah. And more, and not just like. The not just the lore on it. I mean, you can go check out Champions of Lore. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, um, but like how to use them, like what mm-hmm. ways to use them, and and you know we we talked before about uh, Keith Amon's book. Monsters know what they're doing, but like not just in the like the they're smart sort of thing, but different ways of using them. Yeah. Uh, so. Allie, be, being the one, being the one that kind of came up with this idea of like one of us is gonna pick a monster. I don't know what she's picked. Allie's doing this first. I have no idea which one she picked. <laughs> and we're doing this kind of. She 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 referenced the the Satanic Panic episode of like one of us is talking, the other one's asking questions. Yes, yeah, that's pretty much exactly how I wanted it to go. Because I think it's more fun where like one person just went all in, and then the other person provides a new perspective, a fresh one. Yeah. Yeah, so so Allie, drum roll. What 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 monster did you pick? So I I cheated a little bit, but I picked blights. Ooh, oh, yeah. ooh, okay. Cheated a little bit because it's not a monster; it's three. But <laughs> <laughs> I think that's fair. Yeah, yeah, and they're they're you know they're just little little plant monsters, or are they? <laughs> We're about to learn. <laughs> yeah, I've I've only I've only gotten to use these things a handful of times, and that was in the Strahd campaign. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I will bring I'm... that up. <laughs> oh, yeah. I'm so ahead. <laughs> I'm gonna start by saying that sometimes magic in D and D is just interesting. <laughs> <laughs> that is a way to put it. Um, it's pretty vague to like the everyman player who's just like. Oh, there's magic, and you can cast these spells with it. But in D and D, magic can operate constantly outside of just that spell list, mm-hmm. and it's a thing that's like everywhere, and it's a thing that can also be manipulated. And the key word here is influenced. Mm. So that's kind of what happened to blights, and how they came about. Okay. Uh, plant blights are plants that were given sentience. However, they weren't personally picked out. Like, 
with an awakened spell. Yeah, well, there's and there's also that. Um, oh no, sorry, that was uh, that was playtest. I was thinking of the artificer that could wake minds and stuff. They they got rid of that one. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. They weren't they weren't personally picked out like with an awakened spell or anything. It's just the magic in the area seeped out of its usually evil source and turned these plants into a sentient being. Mm. Uh, the life of a blight creature has a defined purpose, and it's defined by the source of the evil. So, <laughs> before I get into the source, yeah, I have to talk about a red dragon. <laughs> what? <laughs> yeah, this is going to be a fun little uh, do we need charts tangent? Is there, is, 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 there is, is there like a flow chart I can follow here? Uh, maybe, um, <laughs> but it's on my computer and you can't see it. So, damn it. <laughs> so there was this ancient dragon called Ashardalon. Now, if you've played certain three E modules or a reprinted five E module from the Yawning Portal, you'll mm-hmm. recognize that name because he's from the Sunless Citadel. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Originally created in. 2000 like i said for 3e for the sunless citadel adventure path where it's like eight adventures that span from like essentially level one all the way to level 20 Mm -hmm. fantastic idea by the way and this dragon he is super old way ancient beyond the point of like ancient dragon is oh terrifying but he's also like getting just old and the thing about this dragon is that he's terrified of dying so <laughs> he's done all his can all he can to pretty much figure out how to not die but also not go into lichdom because that's a mm-hmm. totally valid option for you dragons out there. You can just murder yourself, get a ritual, become a Draco Lich, and then you live forever, but you're undead. So there's <laughs> the you know. tone that you said murder yourself. <laughs> and it wasn't commit suicide or anything. Murder yourself. <laughs> Well, you're not the one who does it, <laughs> but you choose to have it happen. So, you know, murder yourself. Okay. okay. <laughs> so he's like, he's doing what a red dragon would do at this point, right? He's mm-hmm. just terrorizing the whole land. He's going out, collecting a horde. He's inspiring a lot of people. He's getting a cult. Uh, this cult is a cult of the dragon specifically this dragon, they literally start worshiping him like a god and he kind of deserves it because he does a lot to deserve that infamy. Mm -hmm. At one point where his downfall comes, right, he goes after this group of druids. Uh, This druid group happens to be worshippers of the elemental planes. And... uh, they're pretty powerful, but he does wipe them all out, save for one. Uh, her name is... Oh God, it's. <laughs> I keep reading this name. I've never heard it. Hey, I... if anyone is listening right now has listened to Champions Lore, you know it does not matter how you pronounce it. It's just... Just go with it. <laughs> Did. <laughs> hmm? D-Y-D-D. Did. 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 Did the wise. <laughs> Did the wise. 
Yeah. Uh, did I want a wise. surfer to meet her. Did. <laughs> did. <laughs> did. Yeah. So, did the wise is the only one that survived out of the whole catastrophe of him essentially devouring the entire druid circle. And she kind of got more powerful and she took it upon herself to have revenge and she took out the big red dragon. She slew a Shardalon. She not only did that, she carved out his heart. (laughs) That's metal. She then did a ritual using her Stonehenge that her druids kind of created and destroyed the heart mortally and quote, mystically, entirely. Mm. Shardalon, without a heart now, is like, well, there goes my grand idea of living forever, and he leaves. He can't stay on the mortal plane, and he just bamps out. He leaves to the abyss. Um, Mm -hmm. That's a whole side tangent that we may or may not get into. (laughs) I'm always in favor of a tangent. (laughs) I'll go into it briefly. Um, Okay. Because it's actually a neat story. So Shardalon, he goes into the abyss and he has to replace his heart, right? Because he's got a hole in his chest. So he goes and he finds a Baylor. Um As you do. Yeah. I don't remember the name of the Baylor. Ah, it was Amit. It's not just Amit, though. It's Amit, the eater of souls. <laughs> As you do. Yeah. So he leaves the prime material plane for the abyss, then replaces his heart with said Baylor. Wait. Wait. No, no, no. Yeah. You I uh-huh. feel like some words were skipped there. No. What do you He put a a Baylor in his chest? Yeah, the entire thing. <laughs> is is he is he Selinsky from Honey I Shrunk the Kids? Like, <laughs> he, he's got a, like a little wheel in there, and the Baylor's running along. Yeah. So the thing <laughs> about the this Baylor, he's he's kind of a special guy. He he eats souls, hits his whole shtick. That's what he's known for. And uh, uh, Chardalon knew that, and so using this ability, this Baylor has. He decides, well, in order to keep my heart pacer, my brand new one, up and running, keep the battery fresh, mm-hmm. I have to feed it souls, right? Mm-hmm. What better place to do that than to literally go where souls are made? You know, the bastion of souls. <laughs> okay. So this dragon, using a piece of a totem from a god that was destroyed because he tried to go to this place, um, travels there, pretty much hangs out in the waterfall that's both metaphorical and also literal of souls and eats them literally like hanging out underneath the shower spout just wide mouth (laughs) sucking them in and (laughs) he sustains his life that way the problem is is that his heart pacer is uh his it's it's not doing so great after you know centuries because it's always centuries Mm -hmm. and now he has to stay in the bastion of souls in order for him to stay alive because without the souls he won't live (laughs) so at first it was just like i'm hungry this is great now it's oh god i have to keep eating so he can't leave meanwhile 
Remember that cult? Remember that cult I, that called him a god? I, I, I just want to say right now, I am on the edge of my seat at how <laughs> this is going to get back to blights. <laughs> <laughs> like, I'm like, there's going to be a curveball here. I'm just, I'm ready for it. Yeah, I, I know. <laughs> we'll, we'll get there. Okay, okay. So, so, yeah, the cult, the cult. Yeah. So, this cult, there's, like, two good parts of this cult. There is the elven part, the part that actually built the Sunless Citadel. And then there is this other part, which is, like, the main part that um, Ashardalon mostly interacted with. And it had a leader. This leader, he was really good at his job. The cultists were just inspired. And after Ashardalon left... He still held on to that leadership role and kept everyone together. And because Ashardalon wasn't really gone, he was still able to give commands. And that's where it kind of was weird because the leader of this cult, he found the heart. And he actually brought it back to this spire, by the way, called a Nightfire Spire, <laughs> which is fucking huge. It's 1,600 feet Hi. <laughs> Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> and he was commanded to just, quote, make ready for Ashardalon's return. And that's it. That's all <laughs> the leader got. And yeah. it's like, okay, whatever that means, because that's literally all he got. He got no other word, no other command, because... The dragon was busy consuming souls the whole time, right? Mm -hmm. So unbeknownst to him, this leader, the dragon had no plans to come back. The leader, meanwhile, he's like, well, I got to wait. I have to be ready in case he does, because he will, you know, I got to have faith. And at that point, he started like diluting this faith and he's like, I have to be ready. And he started getting older. He's not an elf or anything. He's just a human dude. Mm hmm. And he starts getting worried that he's not going to last long enough for this dragon to come back. Okay. So he does what you need to do. And he's like, okay, well, maybe what if I become undead? So that way I can, you know, be there when a Shardalong comes back. Mm -hmm. And he convinces the rest of the cult that this is a good idea. Okay. <laughs> he says, okay, I got to figure out how to do this. So he makes a quick trip. There are different... This is where kind of the lore splits off. And it's like, this guy either goes to straight up Shadowfell and talks to like dark powers, you know, the mm -hmm. dark powers. Or he kind of just gets whispers in his ear from some dark god and then he gets the answer. Either way, he now has the idea of what he needs to do. It's pretty much this huge... You need to gather your cult up. Just have yourself a good old mass suicide. And you'll come back. <laughs> okay. And he's like, sounds dope. We're a cult. It's what we do. Yeah. And so he convinces everyone, because he's charismatic like that, to follow along with the plan. And they're like, yeah, perfect. So they execute this plan. I guess mm -hmm. pun intended. <laughs> and everyone's dead suddenly though at the exact same time when everyone kills themselves the heart beats 
which is oh. a fantastical thing because, of course, it needs to be. It's D&D. It's amazing. Yeah. The story kind of goes two ways here again. Apparently, this leader thought that that was just the perfect sign that this was the right thing to do. Mm-hmm. But Charlotte himself actually recounts that it wasn't him at all. It was the leader's power doing it to the heart. Mm. So, here's where we get back into things. Okay. The leader is raised up as a vampire. Okay. A very powerful vampire. He has the ability to control all the cultists that are now also undead in his presence. Okay. If you can hear a dog, don't mind her. (laughs) (laughs) She's just very excited. Yeah. Very excited about the lore. So this guy, he's undead now. And he's like, okay, cool. I now have all the time that I need. Great. So he's trying to figure out what to do next. Because, again, still no word from the dragon. Right? Mm -hmm. Too busy just chugging souls. Yeah. So we're not sure why this guy goes to the Sunless Citadel. But we only know that he ends up there simply because that's where he dies. Spoiler. Sorry. (gasps) (laughs) Uh, He may have been searching for like an artifact that would probably summon the dragon or maybe like some book from the temple. We don't know. But he just went there. Oh, also, his power turned and transformed the heart into like a coffin for him. And it's like it's. (laughs) <laughs> the the modules describe it as the size of a small hut <laughs> <coughs> which i'm just okay. like laughing at that description but anyways yeah <laughs> so in the end a heroic adventurer comes to this on the citadel sees all this crazy undead happening and he's like i gotta fix this and he takes out the vampire and all his minions and he saves the day right Mm-hmm. Well, the stake that murdered this guy, the cult leader, was stayed in the ground and eventually bloomed. I don't know if you're caught up with me yet, but the blood of this stake uh... made a tree at the bottom of the Sunless Citadel. And the uh... tree grew. The leader of this cult was Golthias. Oh, okay, okay, okay. I'm caught up with you. I'm now here. Mm -hmm. I have arrived. Yes. (laughs) So, now that we're back full circle here, Golthias was killed in what was called the Twilight Grove beneath the Sunless Citadel. Mm -hmm. The stake transformed into a huge skeletal tree. This tree... Bears two kinds of fruit. This is just a fun fact, by the way. A red apple with amazing healing properties like Jesus and a white one with deadly poison that can just completely murder you. It's a Super Mario tree. Yeah. Every summer solstice, the red apple happens and every winter solstice, the white one. Okay. So you can imagine stories got out about these apples and a druid named Belloc the outcast heard about these fruit 
and wanted to figure out what all that was about. Mm-hmm. Um, Belak was not exactly a great guy. He was exiled from his Druid circle because he, quote, dared to expand nature's reach in ways they couldn't grasp. <laughs> so he okay. was probably dabbling in necromancy. Yeah. Which means the vampire tree was perfect. <laughs> <laughs> Meanwhile, the Sunless Citadel has been raided over and over again by several people that moved in to use it as a lair, essentially. At the time, when Balak went down there, it was goblins. So he persuaded the goblins to sell the Red Apple every summer to a nearby town of Oakhurst. The villagers, in wanting to, you know, keep the fruit coming, planted the seeds in hope for going it themselves. Oh, boy. Not Mm -hmm. a good idea. No, no. (laughs) The seeds sprouted twig blights. Yep. And they straight up just murdered anyone who found themselves in the surroundings forest. That's terrifying. Yeah. So, Belag didn't stop that. He's like, this is perfect. Because he wanted to literally colonize the surface with children of Gathias. Mm-hmm. And he stopped selling the fruit to lure adventurers into the grove, where he could, in fact, just strap them to the Golthias tree straight up and transform them into mindless beings that are just grafted onto the tree. Very evil dude, right? Yeah, a little bit. A little bit. So the other part of this is the Golthias tree itself. And why Mm. is there twig blights? Yeah. So there's a quote from the Night Spire like adventure module essentially mm-hmm. uh talking about Golthias's motivations and essentially his goal is and this is a long weird quote cuz you know it's like from 2000 D&D what are you yep. going to do His goal is the creation of a nation state under his rule, a theocracy where all must give obedience to a vanished, long-forgotten dragon named Ashardalon. He still wants to make the cult. Jesus Christ. Even as a tree. (laughs) His plan is to still have this huge cult. I just see this... this dead old nasty tree sitting there with this face mm-hmm. and then he's just looking up towards the shore like do you love me mama <laughs> <laughs> look what I've become for you so from there that's that's kind of half where the story ends as far as the Golthias tree um, the Golthias tree itself is what spawns these blights, the monster that I chose to spoke about today. Blights are, like I mentioned, sentient plants that get their life purpose from their source. So a Golthias tree, the issue with that concept is what I just told you, it sounds like there's only one, right? That it's just the Golthias tree. <laughs> I know this part. Yeah. Um, however, you mentioned earlier, we played Strahd. Strahd. <laughs> We ran Strahd. I, like, I, I straight up had that session at the bookstore. Oh, God. I just realized I had the Golthias tree speak to Wiz. Yeah. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> what did I do? <laughs> so 
the idea is that there's either a possibility that Gothias cultivated another tree or trees, plural, throughout the mm-hmm. world before his final transcendence accidentally as he got staked mm-hmm. through the heart. Or Golthias tree is no longer a proper noun, like the Golthias tree, and it's just a noun. There's a Golthias tree there, there's a Golthias tree there. Either way, uh, the purpose is still the same. Um, The blights are born of the Golthias' tree influence upon the magic in the area, and they follow through with whatever the tree's original intent is. Mm Mm-hmm. So, that all brings me to the actual blights themselves. (laughs) Someone checked their phone there. Someone was like, (laughs) shut off. (laughs) I know. Like I said, that was a lot. But that was, but okay. So, so real quick before before you can go to that one, I I I had to Google uh, uh, what what was that Dragon Boy's name? A a, A Shardalon. A Shardalon. Turns out that's the freaking dragon that's in the board game. Uh, yes. Ra- I didn't realize what the name it was. It's Wrath of a Shardalon. Yeah. Um, I might buy that now because now I have context. Though I will say the description on the wizard's website does not really uh, give a hint at all of any of that lore. They're like, there's a cave mouth with a labyrinth of mazes <laughs> with monsters. And you know what's at the end? A red dragon. <laughs> and I'm just like, all right. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, Shardalon, yeah, he he's if you play like non-spoilers for if you actually do want to go through the adventure path or the 5e rewritten Sunless mm-hmm. Citadel, like this actually whole story gets played out. And you can actually learn more about it and That's what happens. Badass. You can meet this evil druid who, you know, spawned the little tree into this huge you strip, thing. You strip meet Gothias? Oh, jeez. Mm-hmm. You can you can meet Gothias. You can it's a lot. The soul e- eating dragon who has a demon heart. <laughs> like it's all there. It's a crazy cool adventure, honestly. I legit might read that adventure when we're done here because I, I got that one sitting on the living room. Mm-hmm. So, like I mentioned, blights. Blights. <laughs> Let, let's talk about some blights. Let's, let's talk about some blights. So the funny thing is, is that they're like one of the monsters that specifically mention about where they came from, which is why mm-hmm. I had to go into that. Because I'm like, it just says that they're from the Golthias tree, but the hell is the Golthias tree? I know it's from Curse of Strahd. And that's yeah, where no, I really went into that loophole. Like, <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you found that rabbit hole and fucking leapt in. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, like I there's uh in in Curse of Strahd there's even a Gathias uh or staff of Gathias or some some shit. Mm-hmm. Um and and in true pre-written D&D fashion, zero context. Yeah. Not not a not a damn lick of context. I'm like, okay, it's just Gathias's and I'm pretty sure I mispronounced it when we played it. Um <laughs> like it, 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 it that's a type of treat. Yeah. Sure. See, and that's the thing. It could be yeah. <laughs> now. <laughs> so, like I mentioned, they come from a Gulfias tree. Their motivations are the trees itself. So if mm-hmm. the spirit of the tree wanted to destroy cities, the blights want to destroy cities. Oh, that's cool. And the blights are independent 
but they act under the tree's control. So they're sentient and independent. However, if the tree says we need to take out these adventurers, the blights will come. That's cool. Yeah. So it's not really a hive mind. It's well, like it, it is, but it isn't. We're like they're independent, but they know what they're they telepathically know what their creator wants. Yeah. That's cool. Mm-hmm. So the funny thing about blights and the main reason why I wanted to do them is because if you look at their stat block, it really is like the most disappointing thing in the monster <laughs> manual. <laughs> These guys are no stronger than a CR half. Yep. You've got a needle blight, twig blight, and a vine blight. <laughs> yep. And that's it. That's all you get. Yep. Yeah, the, the twig blight that I'm looking at right now is a CR 1-8. Yep. Um, but I they got four hit points at AC 13. Oh, yeah. boy. So, straight up, I'm disappointed in these stat blocks after reading their blurb. Well, like, here's the thing, though, is that, like, you know, and this is something that we've said several times about 5th edition, is that, like, if it's not strong enough, throw more of them at them. Yeah. And I feel like this, because, I, I mean, I remember during Curse of Strahd, I made Twig Blights a problem for y'all, because there was, like, 16 of them mm-hmm. surrounding like three of you and see that's how you need to play them we'll, yeah. we'll get into that in a second i'm gonna i'm gonna briefly go over the blurbs yeah, 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 yeah so let's the needle blight first which is my favorite okay in the shadows of a forest needle blights might be taken at a distance for shuffling hunched humanoids up close these creatures reveal themselves as horrid plants whose conifer-like needles grow across their bodies in quivering clumps a needle blight lashes out with these needles or launches them as an aerial assault that can punch through armor and flesh. Holy shit. When needle blights detect a threat, they loose a pollen that the wind carries to other needle blights throughout the forest. <gasps> Alerted to their foe's location, needle blights converge from all sides to drench their roots in blood. Ah! Yeah. So, also, I clicked on, I, I, I'm on D&D Beyond right now. I looked at the image for it. That is terrifying. Yeah. So, in your mind's eye, those that are listening. Imagine if <laughs> you, you can imagine. For those that are listening. <laughs> if you're doing anything but, write in. I need to know what you're doing. <laughs> There's the stat block. You can imagine. It's like, oh, they probably have this ability that like can call in reinforcements or something. Or like, oh, wow, they can like really just, they might have like pack tactics. There's a lot of them from that blurb, right? Nothing. Yeah. They get claws and needles, which is a melee and ranged attack. And that's it. (laughs) Still though, like just the, I mean, we'll get into this in in the uses of this, but like my mind's already rolling with ideas for an adventure for this. Just that description. With as is. Yeah. Yeah. Just that description of just, like, just the puff. I can just imagine it. And just your guide going pale and just going, yeah. oh, gods. Yeah. And them running because they know what's coming. <laughs> uh-huh. So so that's the needle blight. That's my favorite one. I can see why. Mm-hmm. Then there's the twig blight. So this is the, the so adorable. Quote, weakest one of the three. Um, mm-hmm. 
with the CR eighth. <laughs> Twig blights can root in soil, which they do when living prey are scarce. When rooted, they resemble woody shrubs. When it pulls its roots free of the ground to move, a twig blight's branches twist together to form a humid-looking body. Twig blights seek out campsites and watering holes, rooting there to set up ambushes for potential victims coming to drink or rest. Huddled together in groups, twig blights blend in with an area's natural vegetation or with piles of debris or firewood. And considering that they're literally made of dry sticks, they are susceptible to fire. I did not realize that these things changed form and could blend in. That is cool. And one of the biggest things that I read here, huddled together in groups. Yeah. So yeah, yeah, yeah. just because they're an eighth of a challenge, that they're small plants. That means that yeah. there's probably eight of them in a single bush. Yeah. And all of a sudden, God, this is... you're walking by, you have eight surprise coming at you <laughs> and you didn't even see him because while the blight remains motionless it is indistinguishable from a dead shrub yeah damn that's cool and then it brings us to the vine blight which could be the most expository it could help explain and push the story along aside from there's dead plants that are attacking me <laughs> because the vine blight is different from the twig and needle blight Mm-hmm. Appearing as masses of slithering creepers, the vine, not, you know, creepers, vine blights hide in undergrow- undergrowth and wait for prey to draw near. By animating the plants around them, vine blights entangle and hinder their foes before attacking. Vine blights are the only blights capable of speech. Interesting. Oh, enough. whoa. Yeah. Uh, through its connection to the evil spirit of the Golthias tree it serves, a vine blight speaks in a fractured version of its dead master's voice, taunting victims or bargaining with powerful foes. Mm. So much like how Golthias was a speaker, so to speak, for the dragon that wasn't there, vine blights are the speaker for the Golthias tree. Mm-hmm. So, like I mentioned, they're also the only one that can actually speak of the three. So, I, I will tell you this, uh, and it's because uh, it's not in that book. There is one other blight. Ooh, which one? Uh, so, this one comes from Curse of Strahd. Oh, yeah. Um, it is a tree blight. Mm-hmm. Um, and it is a CR7, and it's got quite a few things, but I, I want I wanted to read the, the description like you're doing. The Please other do. Ones. Uh, blights are evil ambulatory plant creatures, and a tree blight. Yeah, say that part. Tree blight is particularly uh, enormous v- uh, variety. Again, can't read well out loud, folks. Uh, it looks like a dead tree or a treant, thirty feet tall, with spongy wooden flesh, thorny branches, and rubbery roots that trail behind it. It has blood for sap and is so uh, satiated uh, and. And associated with blood that it doesn't catch fire easily. Yeah. (laughs) That's badass. Um, Yeah, this, I mean, what what size is it? It is a huge plant. It's a tree. It's 30 feet tall. (laughs) Yeah, the the image is terrifying because the bark's just opening into a mouth. Yeah, I've Um, I've played with these, by the way. Um, We took a hiatus, like a month-long break, and then we mm -hmm. came back. And I'm like, okay, you guys are going into the Feywild that's been corrupted. You're going to mm-hmm. be fighting five tree blights. 
whoo, that was fun. That was like everyone Jesus. needed that to get back into D&D. It was a perfect like come back from break encounter. Yeah. Yeah. Um oh man, see these things I I like these things. Mm-hmm. I really do. Oh yeah. I mean like that's one of the reasons why I love them is because they evoke so much potential for storytelling. Whoa. Not just like uh, from their origin but also their abilities and their flavor text i just realized that the vine blights have a recharge yeah i love recharge abilities listeners that's one of my favorite things in in a monster stat block um yeah it's the entangling plants that's pretty badass pretty much they like draw forth on the evil power that's connected to them with the gulthias tree to summon mm. more plants to help entangle which is why it's mm-hmm. a recharge because it's not their own. Yeah. At least that's how I describe it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. The I, I I really do like these because I I could see this being I could see them being a good low level adventure, but also a good like mid tier adventure. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I don't mean like you know long running adventure, but you know like a side quest or something, or they roll into town and it's under attack by blights or something. Mm-hmm. Or there's like a constant state of disappearance with everyone that's going into the woods and you don't know why. And that's kind of the thing. Like there, there is such a potential for horror in this. Mm-hmm. Like I think more than most people would give just thumbing through a monster manual and seeing um, some some walking plants. Um, I mean, hell, freaking uh, Evil Dead, the, the chick that gets grabbed by the trees and shit. Yeah. I mean... Yeah. Because also the concept of grafting someone onto the tree evokes such a image of terror. (laughs) No, thank you. Yeah. Like, I'm just... There's so much that you could do with this. And yeah, like mid-tier too. Like, you can send Mm. a lot of blights at level 9 adventures and pair them up with a dryad that lost her home. You know, it's like that's Mm -hmm. gone mad and just has gone evil or like pair them up with some druids that are dabbling in Mm -hmm. necromancy and that are following this tree the tree itself it's are are we going into to uses now yeah i think we can okay let's do it okay so like dude the the whole idea of like i i do want i do like the idea of a gathias tree not being a proper noun that it is just a thing that occurs and i mean i want to take it star wars ways where like some evil thing dies in a spot and and like just the evil sinks into it and a gathias tree grows out of that like i I, that's that's kind of like the shit that i'm thinking about with it and that's totally a thing like the gothias tree it's that's what i was talking about in the very beginning that magic is weird and that it can be influenced and so like if a great catastrophic thing happened in a certain area the land is going to be affected yeah 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 um and then yeah like this happening like uses for i mean that just happening near a town not a big city like just a town like a greenwich or something like that um greenest there we go greenest that's the one i was thinking of (laughs) like that could be absolutely devastating mm-hmm. to them and they 100% would want adventurers and i mean there there is total um there's room for more adventure here because it's not just you know oh the twig blights are attacking follow them back to the gathias tree and take care of it i mean the way these things move and whatnot you might not be able to track them oh god no 
like they could just you know you you could do this really cool thing where like they like come out of the ground and they sink back down into it making it impossible to track them if they're surrounded by any other amount of foliage you can't track them yeah because they just become a plant (laughs) your only option is to try to burn the whole forest down oh my god well even then uh, i mean if you have the gathias tree be like the stat block of like the tree blight that won't work Mm-hmm. Uh, i oh man yeah there's so many cool things you could do with this and and neat stories because yeah you were talking about like evil druids because i mean you know slight slight spoilers for curse of strahd there's some fuckery with some evil druids <laughs> um and yeah, like, I mean, that's another thing. Like, what if it was purposeful? What if there was a cult of... What if there's cults of Gathias? Oh, my God, that's yeah. That's cool. That's how you could actually end up making a whole campaign out of this. Like, that whole yeah. backstory I gave this tree, right? You can make your own backstory into it. There's a reason why this adventured path takes you from level, like, one all the way up. Because... Yeah. You can go as far as you need to, and blights can be there every freaking step of the way. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I I did realize now. I I meant to say this at the beginning of the the episode, but we should probably clarify that the ways that we're going to be talking about this is it being set in the Forgotten Realms. Yeah, like obviously you can take anything on any page and just throw it into a homebrew, and it works however the hell you want. Oh yeah. We're going we're gonna to try to be sticking more to the lore of it and the context of it, of how it works in the Forgotten Realms and what stuff you can do with it there. Mm-hmm. I mean, Just like, to make it easy. <laughs> straight up, I tried to look up, like, what realm was this dragon? Like, wh- where where is he, Ashardalon? And it's like, mm-hmm. oh, we don't know. I mean, they mm-hmm. kind of placed him in Faerun, but Paylor is mentioned a lot. Uh. <laughs> yeah, yeah third edition uh <laughs> <laughs> so it's like honestly you can just drop this kind of concept into anywhere D did it they threw one into yep. <laughs> raven loft so yeah well it, and and like i was saying like the potential for horror there is, is so great that i mean i think that's why it shows up in curse of strahd is because and i will say this it doesn't get as horrific as this is describing it man if i had known this lore that area would have been way more fucked up <laughs> oh, i know yeah there's there's so much that you can do and just the concept of several of these things like you said Evil well, Dead. Like, that's a, yeah. it brings such just a visual to it yeah. and what these blights can actually do. Can you imagine 12 things trying to grapple someone? So so that that's kind of what I wanted to get into now is, like, we, we got into, like, uses thematically of it. But, like, mechanically, what what do you see as being, like, the way to do this? Like, let, let, let's say that let, – let's go for the hard one. Let's go for a level 10 group. Mm-hmm. How would you do tree blights for a group of level ten players? It has to be uh, ambush, a setup, probably mm-hmm. when they're in the woods and they're setting up camp. And as oh a DM, you have to ask them, "What are you doing to set up camp?" And someone will inevitably be like, "Oh, I go get firewood." Oh no! And then they're ambushed. One person is ambushed by like a group. Of just probably the uh, needle blight, like not the twig blights, right? Yeah, yeah. And when I'm saying group, I mean like probably 
12 or so at like the riverbank. And then you have like a few of the needle blights scattered around throughout the entire forest. And there is like a few, only select few vine blights. Like they're not the actual meat of this. The meat is the Mm -hmm. numbers in the little guys. Mm -hmm. And I think there should be a needle blight pretty much directly in the middle of the camp. Oh my God. So that way, okay. as soon as the gig is up, well, they release the spores and the ambush can full happen. I, I, I think this might have to do with the slight style to the artwork of the needle blight, but I, I'm thinking of Davy Jones's crew mm-hmm. from Pirates of the Caribbean. Like, just like, like I was saying, like they could go into the ground stuff, but just imagine like this thing stepping out of a tree. Yeah. Like it just pulls the branch, the, the bark with it and becomes this needle blight. Oh my God. That's so terrifying. <laughs> yeah. And so all of a sudden, sure. These level 10 adventurers, like, yeah, they can handle They only have so many actions per turn. Yeah. When I was talking to my players about this just last week saying how you could be level 20, you could be whatever you want, but if you're out action economied, <laughs> yeah. you're at a disadvantage. I mean, like, the, really, the, uh, as far as the twig blights go, I, the only real answer I see is fireball. Mm-hmm. Like, fireball is, like, really your only chance because even if they save, they're going to die for Any AoE points. spells. Yeah. That's why they would need to ambush the spellcasters first. They are sentient creatures. They are. Let me see. Well, see, the thing is, though, like, I, I don't know. Twig, Needle Blight's got negative three intelligence. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, well, I mean, I guess the Gathias tree could give them. I, you could argue the Gathias tree gives it orders, too. Yeah. Because I, I would see the Gathias tree as being the intelligence of this. It'd that, be even better if the party in question did what my... Every single game I've ever run, if someone can cast magic and light a bonfire with fire, mm-hmm. with magic fire, they do it. They're like, mm-hmm. oh, yeah, I press dictation to fire for us. There you go. There's your target. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But, but I mean, at the same time, though, it's just like fireballs, a 20-foot uh, radius. They get to do it uh, once on a turn unless, uh, they, you know, you, you quicken it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Got that sorcerer in there. But, I mean, even then, if you're in a forest, you're not taking out all of them. Oh, no. And I think that, I th- I like, I'm, I'm literally thinking of this situation and getting claustrophobic. <laughs> That's how you do it. With higher levels, they don't stop. Yeah. You can take out like, 20 of them, but literally in two turns, 20 more will come. This is get this is getting me all, like, itchy and stuff. But, like, <laughs> and, I, and I hate to, to bring up the, this property, but, like... Chamber of Secrets with all the spiders running through the forest. Yeah, that shit. But but blights, and I'm gonna stop talking about it now because I, I don't like I don't like the spiders. I don't like them. Mm-mm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, just I'm just now imagining that aerial shot, seeing just oh, bushes God, and plants just... just slowly just converging forward, almost like a roll of hill. Yeah, dude. I you know you you kind of turning me around on on these because like you know i like i said you were there i used these Mm -hmm. i had that we did have that really cool fight in the the vineyard Mm -hmm. uh and i did manage to scare the crap out of you guys because i said there was like 80 of them outside (laughs) you're like no but still like now i'm thinking of these things 
in a completely different light. Yeah. These things are absolutely terrifying. <laughs> One of the most weak like creatures in the monster manual, but the potential they have. <laughs> yeah. I mean like like really really the biggest downside for me is one rolling initiative for them because i mean you do 12 fucking things and granted you can do the whole like you know we take this group we roll initiative for it and whatnot but i know not everybody does that i know some people like rolling initiative for each one so this is kind of where i wish there was a better group mechanic Mm -hmm. um i i can't remember what edition it was but i remember that some edition or maybe a different RPG in general, uh, there was a way to convert one smaller creature into a group. And I do kind of wish that they that they had that ability in this because yeah, you look at you look at this twig blight stat block, and it's so small, like on its own, that I'm like, it's almost like, why do we even print this? <laughs> yeah, because three of the stat blocks take up one page. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's. I- uh, there there are people out there that have like made ways of turning creatures into swarm stat blocks mm-hmm. and i think that's a way that you can totally approach this yeah like you can throw nine of them into one thing or like 10 of them into one swarm quote stat block and then as soon as five are out you have the health and then you carry on yeah yeah and i think i've heard something like basically instead of doing like normal attacks you're doing deck saves and taking half damage because the odds are you're going to be taking some manner of damage with all of those attacks. Yeah. But I can't, I can't quite remember. Listener, if you're interested, you can, you can find that stuff. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, this is really kind of turn. You have, th- this is, this is a successful episode because you set <laughs> out to do and you did it like of just like, let's take a look at this and see what different ways there are. And man, these things. And, and the thing is that I really like is Starting with the description and going into the lore really is what turned it around because it talks about in these descriptions of the way that they act and how now I have the animal in the background. We got dogs and cats <laughs> living together, mass hysteria. Um, so, um, yeah, it, it, if if you don't look at some of these descriptions, man, you could really be missing out on some really cool tactics ideas. Yeah. And ways to implement them. And again, it would have been great if any of them talked more about this Gathias fellow. I know. (laughs) Instead of having to do like God knows how many hours of research. So all this information is literally spread throughout the the eight part adventure path of the Sunless Citadel all the way to the culmination. I'm going to look at that one tonight. And like all that information is in there. But I love it. They always mention him, but they don't say mm-hmm. who he is. <laughs> yeah, I learned something here, listeners. That I, I'm, I'm, I love it. Mm-hmm. I, I had fun doing this. <laughs> and you, and you know what? It took up an episode because we're <laughs> over fifty minutes now. <laughs> we were like, well, maybe it will make a topic. So we had like a backup one, and now we're like, nah, we're good. We got this. Yeah. Um, so any, any closing thoughts on your end of, of the blights? Um, I will say doing this in general made me realize that you don't read the player's handbook front to back like a book. You don't read the DMG front to back like a book, but you know what? I'm willing to sit down and read the monster manual now. 
Yeah. Because that's how I found yeah. these guys. I was just going through page by page, reading the lore on every single little dude. And I'm like, oh, this one. <laughs> <laughs> and I was only in the Bs. Like... <laughs> I, I, I'm going to be honest. I'm going to be 100% honest. Because, again, listeners, I did not know which one she picked. That was not a gimmick. <laughs> I legit did not know. We we like, we like save content. I've learned from B-Dave. You save the content. <laughs> when you said Blights, I went, oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, oh, boy. I hope this. I don't know about this. And then, yeah, no. I, I love these little things now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It was funny because I asked... Uh, Spencer, I'm like, which one should I do? I kind of want to avoid, you know, doing the big ones like yeah. dragons, beholders, like, okay, whatever. But like, I want to do something. <laughs> I mean, I never would have get like, again, never would have guessed. You sit down and like, we're going to talk about blights and we went into like a lich dragon not wanting to die thing and Baylor's <laughs> in your chest and shit. And I'm like, what? Yeah. The, that whole story, it, it it's a lot. Like, even the Demogorgon I, I did, is involved I, in that, by the way. You really should read up on this guy. It's. <laughs> By the way, I got a really big kick out of this. So when I googled uh, uh, the, the the Dragon Boy, it said related searches Baylor. <laughs> <laughs> I thought that was yeah. so good. <laughs> yeah, he's like a an infamous half dragon, half demon now, dude. And it's like half demon now, dude. <laughs> <laughs> it's just because he he stuck a whole Baylor in his chest. Yeah. As you do. Yeah. As you do. <laughs> well, Al, th this was fantastic. You knocked this out of the park. You've made me nervous for when I have to do one of these because I'm like, oh, shit. Like, I, <laughs> I didn't know we were going to be going this deep. All right. I guess we meant deep dive. All right. Cool. <laughs> well, I mean, like, you know, I got I got to pull up and show up because you're on, like, Champions of Lore and all that good stuff. <laughs> so I got to do my thing. <laughs> Let's be real. I'm I'm the peanut gallery of that. I'm not showing up with the, with the lore deep dives. <laughs> I try. I study a little. It's I basically treat it as like kind of high school. I looked at a book. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, no, but no. This, this, this is gonna be fun. I'm, I'm looking forward to doing more of these because again, we get to talk about how we're gonna, how we can implement them and mm -hmm. whatnot. That's gonna be the blast. Yeah, and uh, if any of you have an idea or have a monster that you like, oh, I know there's lore behind it, but I'm not sure what it is. Send it an email to difficultyclass at gmail.com and you know we'll do the hard work for you we'll look into it <laughs> we'll talk about it for about an hour and see how we feel about things <laughs> yeah i am gonna laugh though like if we ever get one we're like this thing sucks this thing <laughs> just sucks like i'm let's just bash this stupid thing for an hour <laughs> i'm willing the lore be damned if lore is the cool lore but damned. it is just terrible yeah i would bash it we'll make up our own lore yeah. we will start a new lore <laughs> damn it <laughs> <laughs> all right well i think that is a fantastic place to end uh this episode again ali thank you for doing all that work yeah. uh, that was fantastic and uh listeners if you enjoyed this um yeah i i i want i would love to do more of these i think i think we call them like monster dives that yeah. sounds funny <laughs> sounds sounds like some uh some uh oh god what's what's the dude uh, oh, I screwed up my own joke. The guy that Flavor Town Man. Uh, <laughs> Mon yeah, yeah, yeah. We got the monster dives. 
Um, so yeah, definitely let us know. But if you enjoyed this episode, the best way to support it is by leaving a review on your podcast service of choice and telling your friends about it. You tell your friends like, hey, you know, you know, twig lights are pretty cool. And they're like, bullshit. And they're like, listen to this episode. Boom. There you go. <laughs> uh, if you have any uh, suggestions for topics, you have your questions, you got suggestions for monsters you want us to talk about, classes you want us to go into, any of the stuff that you want to hear us do on this show, you can send those into difficultyclass at gmail.com and we would love to talk about them. If you'd like to stay up to date on the show, you can follow us on Twitter at difficulty class and you can follow an inactive Instagram at difficulty podcast. Uh... <laughs> Oh, and we're going to do the thing because we keep forgetting to do it. You can follow me on Twitter. I am at the Trevor. There is an A hiding in there. Uh, and you can follow Allie. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, uh, you can follow me at AllieBug321 on Twitter. I'm also the DM of Rumi Roamers, which is at yes, you Rumi are. Roamers on Twitter. <laughs> yeah, because we remember to, re- to, to to promote ourselves now because we have things to promote now. Because yes. we didn't when we started the show. <laughs> oh, gross. I also have... I also have way too many podcasts. <laughs> Go listen to them, please. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so that is going to do it for this week's episode. Uh, and until next week, have a good game. Mm-hmm.